What's poppin' everybody? Hope you're all having a great day today. We got a lot of discussion to happen today here on Blake's Take. Got some big takes to happen today with all the All-Star news and some other stuff. Let's get right into it though. Starting in the NFL, we have some updated news on the trade situations for two of the game's best quarterbacks. Starting off with the situation in Seattle with Russell Wilson, who has not demanded a trade and has told the Seahawks that he wants to play in Seattle. But if a trade were considered, the only teams he would go to were the Dallas Cowboys, New Orleans Saints, Las Vegas Raiders, and Chicago Bears. Wilson expressed frustration that this season over all the hits he has taken and started his de- stated his desire for more say in the team's personal decisions. Those comments were out of the norm for Wilson, who normally never speaks publicly or about any complaints for this team over the first nine seasons he has been in the NFL. Wilson with a potential deal in place and a trade is unlikely, but other teams are noticing tension that is brewing for years between the Seahawks and Russell Wilson. Wilson's contract has a no-trade clause that he would have to waive in order to be dealt trading him before June 1st of this year, which would trigger a $39 million in dead money charges against the Seattle's 2021 salary cap. Wilson has three years left on the four-year $140 million extension that he signed in April of 2019 that includes base salaries of $19 million, $19 million, and $21 million. So it looks like a less drastic Deshaun Watson situation, which we will be talking about next. It is not likely that we will want to see Wilson out of Seattle. He is just frustrated that the Seahawks front office in their ability to surround him with the pieces to be successful in this league. So I believe that Wilson is going to stay in Seattle, obviously, due to the organization not being able to take that much dead money. And he doesn't want to leave Seattle, but definitely this front office is going to have to do work and learn from the situation that is happening with Deshaun Watson to not let the front office and the QB be divided because we all know how that goes. And speaking of which, now on to Deshaun Watson, who had met with new Houston Texans coach David Coley and informed Coley that he has no intention of suiting up for the team again. Upset over the way the organization has operated in the recent years, Watson has asked the Texans to trade him and has very little contract with the team since the season ended. Contact with the team since the season ended. The conversation with Coley was believed to have been the first between the two. Coley said in his introductory news conference that he expected Watson to be on the team in 2021. But according to sources, Watson's message to Coley in Friday's meeting was that nothing has changed on his end and he would still like to be traded. So far, the Texans have told interested teams that they don't intend to trade Watson, who just last summer signed a four-year, $156 million contract extension that runs through 2025. Trading Watson would cost the Texans $21.6 million in dead money against this year's salary cap. A significant hint that a cap number that this team is just not being able to take. Any team acquiring the young superstar would be a great, tremendous bargain in 2021, as Watson is scheduled to just earn $10.54 million in salary this year before that number jumps to $35 million in 2022, $37 million in 2023, and $32 million in 2024 and 25. So if someone could acquire Watson this year, it would be a huge bargain for them with the contract that he's Although he's on a bigger contract this year, he is still moving his way up into it. So it would be a big, big finesse for a team there. 
If the Texans choose not to trade Watson, he could opt out to and report to mandatory team activities or training camp, but at a cost. Houston can find Watson $95,877 for missing minicamp and can find him $50,000 per day of each day he misses training camp, but plus a one-week salary of $620,000 for each preseason game missed. So it is a wins-lose situation for the Texans, while it is a lose-lose situation for Watson. If the Texans choose to keep Watson and he does not attend team activities, the Texans will lose their young star quarterback, but will receive financial gains still from him missing that, and they will ultimately lose more because of, obviously, his quarterback and their skills that he has, and they'll lose their franchise quarterback that was expected to be there for ages. But now that they would also recover financially from that in some of a way. Not a huge way, but definitely some way. On the other hand, though, Watson's losses are all around just plain loss for Watson. With him having to stay with an organization he despises and is going to be fined if he chooses not to be a part of it. It's a struggling situation in Houston where both sides aren't seeming that they are going to budge anytime soon. So not a fun situation for Watson. Not not a very fun situation for the Texans either. They're trying to keep their quarterback, rightfully so, but they haven't done a very good job in their front office, especially you trade the guy's favorite target, and that's going to bring up some red flags, and then trade away the head coach and aren't able to get one in for another year. That's definitely going to bring up some red flags, and Watson's pretty much just done with the Texans organization at this point. So it's right for them to part ways, I feel like, though. If their quarterback isn't going to be a part and back this team up and back this front office, Office up and the in the front office in return isn't going to back them up. Then it's time for them to split ways. As far as the NBA, yesterday we announced who would make the All Star team, but now we're going to talk about who didn't and the biggest snubs of this year's All Star list. There are always more deserving All Star candidates than there are spots for them, but that's never been more true than this season. We're going to list off the top five snubs of this year's All Star game. The starting off with the biggest snub by all means this year was Devin Booker. Most coaches weren't going to pick two of the Suns players, and it looks like Booker was the victim of Paul's success. His assist rate has undisputedly dipped down uh, when Paul is around, but he has actually increased the usage rate to 30.3% and continued to do his extremely efficient scoring. This might be a tough pill for Booker to swallow, but hey, as long as his team stays healthy, he'll get his first taste of the playoffs in a few months. However, even though he won't be an official All-Star, he will be still be an injury replacement for the Lakers forward Anthony Davis on the Western Conference's roster, which is a positive, but it's positive and negative, but at least he gets to play in the game with the guys. Next up, we have Mike Conley, our second All-Star snub. It's genuinely surprising that the coaches didn't even select him, given that he is universally respected and his team has the best record in the league. Conley, a 14-year vet who has barely missed the cup so many times while he was in Memphis, is a sentimental pick to take Davis' his spot, but he didn't. Booker got it. He also has a rock-solid st- statistical case per 36 minutes per, ca- per game, 20.2 points, 4.2 rebounds, and 6.9 assists on 59% of shooting. Conley is launching threes at a higher volume and more accurately than ever before and playing better defense than some of the players that were selected before him. 
Very unfortunate. Huge snub by Mike Conley. He should have definitely been on this roster. For sure, no doubt. Our third snub is Bam Adebayo, who has added a mid-range jumper in his arsenal this season, increased his usage, and continued to grow into the NBA's premier big. Per 36 minutes per game, he's averaging 19.6 points, 9.5 rebounds, 5.5 assists, 0.9 steals, and 1.0 blocks on 63% shooting. It's truly incredible the numbers he's putting up, but it's not his fault for necessarily not making the all-star team with the Heat only going 14-17, and 17, which is a disappointing record, especially for a team that is coming off an NBA Finals appearance. So I think that it was ultimately the deciding factor with their team not being able to translate their success from last year is what ultimately led to Bam Adebayo's snub. On to the fourth snub of this list, we have Ice Trey Trey Young snubbed. Strictly looking at the numbers, it is difficult to rationalize keeping Young off this team. The guy is averaging 27.9 points, 4.1 rebounds, and 9.9 assists per 36 minutes he plays on 60.8% shooting. On opponents can't even keep him off the free throw line. The Hawks have an uneven season this year, going back and forth, up and down, roller coaster type of thing. And Young hasn't really improved since last year, you could say, and as far as defensively and his off-the-ball skills. But it's unfortunate that he didn't make this team because he was putting up great numbers this season, shooting incredible from beyond the arc, and he was putting up great numbers. It was a snub, but his off-and-on success with the with the team, and that is what ultimately led to his snub, just like the other ones in Bam Adebayo. It was ultimately the team that led them to be snubbed. And now, last but not least, we have DeMontis Sabonis. He is probably the biggest snub I have on this list. Hey, people may have not known him before, but you definitely knew him this season with all the Pacers he's done with the Pacers, getting them a strong start to this season. But his case lost some steam when as the team go lower and lower in the rankings. Like Adebayo, though, he has unquestionably gotten way better since last year and should have definitely made an all-star game this season. He's averaging 21.3 points per game, 11.5 rebounds, and 5.7 assists on 59.5 shooting with a career-high 25.4 usage rate. Everything in Indiana just revolves around him, and I don't see why he couldn't have made this all-star list. I mean, everyone had him getting in. Shaq, everyone on NBA TNT had him making in, but got snubbed. Huge snub there. So all around huge snubs in the NBA. There's definitely more. Fred Van Fleet, DeMar DeRozan, Tobias Harris. Way more snubs than we've already seen. But I think this year there were some really tough pills to swallow there with all some of those players that are playing at elite all-star levels that just didn't have to make the cut. Better luck next year, guys. Hopefully you don't get snubbed. As far as local sports, another great night for both the Bees and the Ducks. The, the Ducks, both catching the dub, but they were hard-fought battles down to the wire, nevertheless. Starting with the Bees against the California Bears, where the Bees took their largest lead of the game with a 7-point lead with 4 minutes remaining. The Bears came back, though, and gave the Bears, Bees a scare, going on a 7-2 quick run. But the Bees would hang on for the win in this one, closely 59-57. to 
Roman Silva scored 13 of his career-high 15 points in the second half, while Ethan Thompson added 12, Jared Lucas scored 10, and Worth Altisi added 11 rebounds to go with 7 points, and Oregon State beat California 59-57. to The reason this game was so low-scoring and so close was neither of these teams could buy a bucket from beyond the arc. The Bees went 0-10 for 10 from the three-point range. 0-10! for 10. Oh my, and the bee and the Bears weren't off any better off. They went two of seventeen from beyond the arc. Oh, that was really rough to see, but the bees kept the dub, and that's always good to see. Several starters scoring in double digits too. But very interesting fact that I was shocked to hear about. This is Oregon State's first win at Cal since two thousand nine. What? Who would have thought? I mean the California Bears are good each year, but they're not like Insane NCAA tournament type team. And the Beavs haven't won there since 2009. So good on the Beavs for getting that win against Cal. Proud of them. So on to the other close matchup of the night where we had the battle between Oregon and Stanford. It was a back and forth game, but the Ducks started off to find their rhythm and at the end of the game, causing them to never look back from there. Dart's three-pointer with 3.55 left gave the Ducks the lead for good at 65-64. Chandler Lawson also followed 48 seconds later with a dunk on the three-point lead and Oregon made a 4-6 from the foul line in the final minute to hang on in this one keeping their conference title hopes alive with four regular season games left on their schedule. Chris Dewar had 17 of his 24 points in the final 10 minutes. LJ Figueroa had 13 points. Eugene Omarayu had 12 points and 10 rebounds while Eric Williams Jr. scored 10 for the Ducks and they catch the dub. The Ducks are now just a game behind the UCLA Bruins for the top spot in the Pac-12. And considering all they've been through this season, this team is the most per- perseverant team out of the whole nation, I believe. They were in the lowest of low. They were ranked below Oregon State. Not to diss on Oregon State, but they were pretty bad at the start of the season. And the Ducks were ranked below them in all the games they missed. All the setbacks they had. The injury complications. The list goes on and on what this team has been through in the 2020-21 season. It has been difficult for these Ducks to try and establish themselves as an elite team in this NCAA tournament. And try and get in there. Trying to stay in the top 25. They were in there for a while, but they kept getting sat back. They've been pushed out, pushed back in of the of the twenty top twenty five rankings, and they've been uh, to the lowest of lows of the Pac twelve, going as low as the seventh seed, and now they're right back up at the two seed, almost at the one seed. This team is incredible. The amount of determination and heart this team has, I cannot explain the insane vulnerability that they have been through and just put themselves out there got to grind put their heads down and really just push through and persevered through this season never giving up and i'm so glad to see and i personally think the oregon ducks are my favorite to win the pac-12 tournament and come out here and punch their ticket to march madness in march so it's going to be a great end to this season for the oregon ducks and hopefully oregon state can push strong push strong but uh, it's not looking too good for them now but more on the ducks they are looking great and they're my favorites to win this pac-12 tournament 
So thank you for tuning in to another episode of Blake's Take. Hope you enjoyed all of my perspectives on the All-Star snubs. Very unfortunate there. Hope some of those guys can have made it, especially as a bonus, dude. That man does deserve that. And same with Devin Booker, but at least he gets to play in the game due to an injury uh, of one Anthony Davis, so glad they get to get back. I hope Deshaun Watson can get out of his situation. I'm hoping he can get out. I'm also, I'm actually hoping Russell can stay and that they can figure it out because it's a minor situation and they just it's just the front office getting him pieces to surround himself with, not more frustration with them uh, being like trading away players that he wanted and wanted to keep. So I hope that all gets settled out. Hope all of those frustrations get dialed down. And I hope you all enjoyed this. You can catch me on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and or YouTube. And I'll catch you all in the next one.